Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Kroger, fresh for everyone. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. I think we would all agree that Kirby Smart's kind of the ultimate coach. Not just because he's good at being a coach, but because I think he genuinely enjoys being a coach, and he does some very coachy things from time to time. One of the things that Kirby Smart seems to do that a lot of coaches over the years have kind of done is a tendency to sandbag just a little bit, and there's no set of circumstances that won't cause Kirby Smart to talk about how much the deck may be stacked against him or stacked against his team or what kind of adversity they're facing. That's just kind of what coaches do a lot. And even in the midst of having won the national championship a couple of weeks ago, Kirby Smart, and this is this is sort of an amazing level of coaching mindset, but Kirby Smart found a way to even turn that into a challenge for the program. Oh, we've been so busy trying to win this national championship that we're all of a sudden now, we're so behind everybody else. It's it's sort of the classic thing that a coach might say, but it's still at wor- it's still at least worth considering what Smart did say about what was going to happen in the immediate aftermath of Georgia's win against Alabama in the national title game a couple of Mondays ago. In fact, I think some of what Smart foreshadowed then on full display here right now. So as a way of starting our conversation off here on this Friday on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger, let me let you hear this from Kirby Smart about the immediate aftermath of the title game on his Bulldogs. This is Kirby. It's right now. I mean, we'll have we'll have multiple kids. Probably we'll have a few kids go into the portal that we've had discussions with that held that off. Um, out of respect for the team, and I thought that was tremendous. So we'll have that, and you know, everybody will think that's a terrible thing. But you know, in some cases, it's actually a, a good opportunity for kids. We've got 16 or 17 mid years that have enrolled. Um, we got to finish off this class. Uh, we don't know how many spots we have because we don't know what some guys are doing, like Lewis and other guys. So, I mean, there's a lot of work to be done. And, you know, I know people don't understand it, but other teams are 10 days up on you because they finished January 1st, your competitors, and you're going, wait, they're doing what? We're, we're trying to win a national championship. I, fortunately, I had a really good mentor, teacher of dealing with that because he's in it every year. But you fall behind because you're trying to manage your roster. So listen, Kirby Smart said that, and I I do believe it's true. And in that moment, it probably felt especially true to him. Smart, like, as he said, his mentor, Nick Saban, these are guys that love the process. And so for someone like Kirby Smart, I think he's – eager to get back to that if you want to go back in time when this was you know spoken it was the Tuesday after the national championship game I think Smart's kind of eager to get into that process not because he's panicked about it but because he genuinely enjoys the act of putting a roster together putting a team together keeping the Georgia train in motion I think he genuinely enjoys that so when Smart says hey we're 10 11 days behind here it's true but in my mind looking at the Georgia program from you know sort of more of a 10,000 foot view because I'm not as inside to it as Kirby is. I'm not, you know, kind of in the the muck and the mire the way he is, is there's actually something else that's more true about the situation with Georgia football than, than Smart let on right there. And I think this is the kind of thing that if you're a Georgia fan, you're trying to make sense of transfer portal this and rumor that and all of the crazy stuff that really has come to define college football, not just the reigning national champion, the Georgia Bulldogs, but college football in general. I think something that was maybe hiding in plain sight for Georgia this week 
ought to give you some comfort here just a little bit. That ultimately what's really true about Georgia is not that it was 10 or 11 days behind after winning the national championship. What's really truly true about Georgia, if you don't mind the uh, uh, you know redundancy, what's really true about Georgia is is that Georgia, for the most part, stays about a year ahead of everybody else. And ultimately, if you want to explain why programs like Georgia always have the best recruits, always have the best players, that may be the best explanation as to why. Same thing for the other programs that we kind of consistently think of as elite recruiters. Ohio State, Alabama, uh, used to be Clemson. We'll see if it still is. You know, from time to time it seems to be LSU we'll, we'll see how how true that is in the Brian Kelly era, era but kind of that Bama Ohio State Georgia thing where like they're always in some form or fashion the top five top three whatever else Texas A&M trying to crash that party we'll see if they stay there but the the programs that have consistently been on top I believe the reason why they're able to stay on top is they are always sort of working about a year ahead. Let me show you this on the screen. I just sort of picked this at random if you're watching on video. How many of these photos did you see this week, for those of you that spent a lot of time online, a lot of time social media, whatever else, of Kirby Smart and a Georgia assistant kind of cheesing with a coach somewhere, uh, hanging out and and on the road this week? It's kind of the cool thing about the modern age in which we live in is that when when Kirby and Del McGee and, and Buster Faulkner or or Todd Munkin or Todd Hartley, when these guys are visiting these high schools in the state of Georgia, they had this barnstorming, barnstorming tour around South Georgia this week. They've been in, what, Arizona, Texas. I mean, how many states have, have these coaches been in? We get a chance to see all these photos. And in a lot of cases, this is 2023s. Georgia made some offers to some 2024s this week. All of this is kind of working a year or two ahead. Now, let me tell you why I think this matters if you're a Georgia fan, is ultimately what Georgia is doing right now is far different than what most every other program in the country is currently doing. And we get so immersed into Georgia football news, sometimes I don't think we quite fully pull back and appreciate what it's really like other places, that that most other places are working to get a 2022 roster together. They are active in the transfer portal because they need players. They are trying to get guys signed for 2022 because they need guys to hopefully help them this upcoming year. And listen, eventually Georgia's going to be in the portal a little bit. It'll probably take a player or two. It did last year. And Georgia may still add a couple more names to the 2022 class. You're certainly interested in that. But ultimately, what Georgia's trying to do right now when it comes to 2022, even though they lost Jermaine Burton this week who they didn't want to lose, and they may lose somebody else that they don't want to lose, ultimately what Georgia's trying to do right now is get down to 85. And that's one of those things where, you know, how does Georgia get down to that scholarship limit? A lot of folks ask that. But around the rest of college football, what most fans are asking about their program is, how do we find enough players who can even play? And so when you're always scrambling to get a team ready for the upcoming year, you are seeding ground to Georgia for future years to go ahead and lay the groundwork with a guy like Arch Manning for the 2023 class or, you know, who knows who for the 2024 class. And Georgia always having that ability to to work ahead here for a moment is one of the reasons why if you had to predict where Georgia's going to be ranked with the 2023 recruiting class, you'd say top three at least. 2024 recruiting class, you'd say top three at least. It's because of the long-range work that Georgia's able to do. That was on full display this week, and it's probably a pretty important reminder that when you see Georgia doing its long-range working, its long-range planning this week, 
It is a reminder that the folks who have the most at stake in the outcome of Georgia football, the coaches whose livelihood depends on its success, you know, they weren't running around frantically panicking this week because of any individual name from the 2021 team deciding to go elsewhere. No, they were confident enough in what they have in place to be looking a year, two years ahead into the future and looking to see what they're going to build on there. Have you ever read the book? And I know some of y'all, you know, maybe like it or don't like it when I bring up stuff like this. But have you ever read the book, uh, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People? It's a popular book many, many you know years ago. Like One of the things that the author in the book talks about is the difference between, like, say, successful people and not when it comes to one thing in particular, that successful people work on what's important and unsuccessful people are sort of frantically always working on whatever's urgent. The thing that, oh, my gosh, you're panicked, has to be done right now. Whereas successful people are always doing what's important, but not necessarily urgent. There's no deadline to accomplish this. It's just simply the part of the thing that you do to lay the foundation for future success in your life. And boy, that could not have been more true around college football this week. You see a lot of teams urgently panicked to get a team ready so they can play next year. You see Georgia sort of gracefully, mindfully pointed towards what's important. In 2023, George is going to want to have good relationships with the guys who are there working on that right now. Two years from now, they're going to be very glad to have long-term relationships with the best players from that cycle. They're working on that now. Watch the way Georgia worked this week. In a time in which some UGA fans were panicked, Georgia didn't appear to be panicked at all. It's another example why Georgia has a gap between its success and the success of almost anybody else that would be a contender to its status. And if you use the evidence that's currently available to you, that gap may only be widening. Now, let me completely change gears and talk about this for a moment. There was a news story that popped out last night about the possibility that you saw Lane Kiffin. I don't have this photo to show you. I probably should have, but I don't. Uh, Lane Kiffin at the uh, Athens airport yesterday. A lot of folks wonder, ooh, what's Lane Kiffin doing here in Athens? Uh, Kiffin obviously uh, you know, knows how to use social media to his advantage. He knew he'd start the conversation when he showed himself to be in Athens. And a lot of folks started, you know, kind of trying to connect dots there on that. A TV reporter out of Ole Miss, though, apparently has done more than connect the dots. He's now reporting something that Lane Kiffin was in Athens to visit with JT Daniels, visit with Jermaine Burton, who just put their name in the transfer portal. Let me read this to you from John Sokoloff. I don't know who he is, but he does have a blue check next to his name, whatever that's worth. He says, source, Ole Miss coach Lane Kiffin met with Georgia quarterback JT Daniels and wide receiver Jermaine Burton today in Athens. Both players are in the portal, and I am told they see themselves as a package deal. Would be a massive get for Ole Miss if Kiffin can pull this off, Sokoloff finishes by saying. Now, I want to tell you something here for a moment. I've never really pretended to be a reporter. I don't really consider myself a, a journalist, but I do read the news for a living. And when I read the news and try to consume information and try to decide what's what, there are certain things that kind of pop in my mind from time to time. Alarms go off. And this is in no way meant to like disparage Sokoloff here. For all I know, he could be Edward R. Murrow. I mean, he may just be breaking news left and right. I've not ever personally heard of him. Um, he just may be breaking news left and right. But I am always a little bit suspicious of any news story that seems too perfect. Like any news story that ties things together in too neat a package and this is one of those things where okay when Burton and Daniels going to the transfer portal at essentially the same time a lot of folks wondered "Ooh, you know 
could this be related? Could their could their trip into the portal be somehow connected? And when Kiffin is in Athens, there's plenty of you know questions that get raised of, hey, is he here because of these transfer portal guys? And obviously, everyone kind of their imagination runs wild related to that. And yet, this you know local TV reporter from Mississippi with 2,000 followers has connected the whole thing and he's got the whole scoop biggest news of the week now maybe that turns out to be true and uh mike griffith i guess has some of his own reporting about this at dognation.com so who knows by the time we're off the air maybe sokoloff is right and maybe both these guys are on their way to Ole miss but i'm a little sometimes a little bit suspicious about any kind of news story that's just too perfect and this is one of those that boy really connects a lot of dots in a very nice and tidy way now i would say that if the assumption we make is, and we heard Terrence Edwards uh, yesterday, very strong in his appearance on Dog Nation Daily, that that Burton does care about his stats and he wants to go to a place where he can get some stats. Obviously, a place like Ole Miss has a track record of doing that. Lane Kiffin, uh, you know, clearly knows how to produce offensive football. You don't really have to worry about the burden of trying to win a national championship there either. Uh, they're happy just to be good, happy just to put up stats, and so that may be the kind of place that Burton needs to uh, Burton needs to be after uh, having won a national championship in Georgia here this year. And Obviously, no surprise that JT Daniels going to have plenty of suitors there as well. So that's the report that's out there. I have my suspicions about it a little bit, but we'll see. Uh, maybe it, maybe Burton and Daniels are on their way to play together at Ole Miss or somewhere else. But that is at least the news that's out there, and wanted to make sure you are aware of that. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented by Kroger. Hello to you and. Glad to have you with us, no matter how you get to us today. Live on video, 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch. We also start 945, first and 15, dognation.com, and on the Dog Nation app. Glad for all of you to join us, however you get to us, including the radio at noon on Athens Sports Radio 960 Ref. Podcasts, wherever you find them. The Apple Player, Spotify, all kinds of different mechanisms for you to listen to the podcast. Just really appreciate you being a part of what we're doing here today. And a big thanks to our friends at Kroger for making it all possible. How long have we been telling you about our friends at Kroger around here? And obviously, we love everything they do for you on a daily basis, including as we get ready for Valentine's Day. Boy, men, don't mess this one up. Uh, time to start thinking about what's going to be going down for Valentine's Day. Time to really utilize what's available to you at Kroger to get great savings on the stuff that's going to make the significant other in your life feel loved and cherished. How about this? You can buy two, get one on Hershey Candy. Um, also, uh, uh, savings on wine uh, as well, sweet treats in the bakery section, all kinds of fun stuff there on the way. So make sure you check all that out. Kroger.com slash Valentine's. Kroger.com slash Valentine's for more on that. Big savings on candy, wine, all kinds of fun stuff to get you ready for the upcoming uh, Valentine's Day. Keep all of that in mind. In a moment or two, we're going to hear from Jeff Sintel. Looking forward to being able to do that with him today. There's a lot to get into. We had some folks before the show asking about, hey, roster management. I even kind of addressed some of that off the top of the show today. We'll kind of get into a little bit of, you know, who's on their way in, who's on their way out. How does this impact what's still left to be done for Georgia in the 2022 class? So we'll try to see if we can kind of figure all that out. I'll look like that meme of the guy from like It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia trying to draw this on a chalkboard. You know, I may be a, it may get kind of crazy here in a little bit, but we'll see if we can figure all that out with Jeff Sintel when he joins us. Before that, on a Friday, just kind of in a mood to do something a little bit fun here. 
And obviously last Saturday was a great celebration for Georgia winning the national championship. We've done a lot to kind of look back on that moment as we're around the doghouse here. A lot to look back on that moment and look back on how it punctuated a, a, a great championship season for UGA. One of the things we have not really had a chance to do with you yet, for a brief moment I caught up with Lorenzo Carter, Davin Bellamy, two of the pivotal figures from Georgia's 2017 team. And I played you a clip from Kirby Smart off the top of the program. In that same press conference, one of the things that Kirby talked about was how special it was to celebrate in the locker room with not only the players who obviously won the championship this year, but so many of those guys from that kind of 2017 era, guys who helped lay the foundation for the success that Georgia enjoyed this season, how proud they were of the guys that followed in their footsteps. And we've heard this said by Georgia players so so often that they do like the moment when they kind of transition from you know one of the from one of the players on the field to kind of an elder statesman in the program and Kirby really talked up that in the aftermath of the national championship so with that in mind two of the guys who were as proud as anybody of the success that Georgia just enjoyed and two of the guys that were as crucial as anyone to the success that happened early in the smart era that makes all this possible how about Lorenzo Carter Davin Bellamy from the parade last Saturday minute or two with them here on Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger. Game and obviously you've been a big contributor to big wins before. Right. You more nervous watching these guys play or when you're out there on the field yourself? Uh, most deaf, most deaf. And it's sometimes it comes from kind of the side bitch we have from teammates. So it kind of adds it adds to it. But um just watching these bros, you know what I'm saying, grow up and playing these big games, it's kind of like they're your little bros out there. So it definitely hits a little harder. You've seen Athens be crazy a lot before. Has everything, anything ever been like a national championship celebration? You know, this is our first time walking down the dog walk without actually being right, yeah. dressed right, up. Yeah, so, so, like, it's crazy just walking down Lumpkin, just seeing everything. Is, it's been great, man. Well, listen, you guys, I don't want to take much more of your time. Enjoy yourself today. Soak it all in. We certainly appreciate what you guys did to lay the foundation for what this Georgia team is able to come out here and do today. Thank you. So, Thank you. Go dogs. All right, two very quick things there. First of all, my consecutive streak of screaming way too loud into a microphone when I'm on remote like that continues. For some reason, that's just a bad habit that I have of when I can't hear my voice and my earphones, I have a tendency just to shout beyond belief. And that's clearly uh, an example of that. I'm shouting at Davin Bellamy and Lorenzo Carter for reasons unbeknownst to me. But the other thing is how much fun, especially if you're watching on video right now, is it to see the smiles in their faces, the happiness that they are having about participating in that moment? And it was cool to hear Lorenzo say that, that hey, this is our first time actually getting to be here and kind of go through a dog walk type thing with without having to be a player, without having to put that uniform on and know we're going out there and playing in that game. And it was, it was one of those things where they were just kind of soaking all that up. I also had a chance to chat with Frank Ross, who was one of the captains of the 1980 team, really the captain of the 1980 team in so many ways. And they were obviously a part of that ceremony of raising the flag there at the end of the, of the event last Saturday, representing the 2021 National Championship. That was just a really cool thing to be able to see there as well, that a lot of these former players, whether it be recent past like Bellamy and Carter, long past like you know Frank Ross, they were just as thrilled as could be about a new chapter of Georgia football kind of joining them in that great era. I think that's just great. It's really good stuff all the way around. So very happy to be able to, to show you that, and we'll continue to obviously have some of that stuff for you in the weeks to come here of what has been a just a 
marvelous season for UGA. National champions and so many folks having so much fun with that, including players who were part of this program there in the past. That it's great to be able to see. Okay, so we're going to get into a lot of stuff related to UGA recruiting. What's left to be done for the 2022 class, the full court press, I say that pun intended, that Georgia put on Arch Manning at a basketball game for him this week. What does that mean? Uh, We'll figure all of that out. Uh, What Jeff took from the busy Georgia coaching barnstorming tour that seemed to cover the entire state of Georgia and most of the country, certainly uh, a good portion of the country over the course of the last few days. It is a fun day to get into a lot of UGA recruiting stuff with uh, Jeff Sintel. We'll dive into that. Christian Miller's name is going to come up. Shamar Stewart's name is going to come up. All kinds of big names going to be a part of the conversation. Then when we are done, we will have a couple of very fun golden shoes for you there as well. So all of that is on the way as Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans presented by Kroger, rolls on right now. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. All right, we'll say hello to Jeff Sintel here on the road. This is by AAA. Jeff has been on the road a bunch, of course, and uh, we love AAA being on with us here right now. Uh, Jeff, let me just kind of dive into it and kind of get going this way. This is an opportunity for Georgia to host some 2022 visitors this weekend. Obviously, Georgia's been on the road a lot looking ahead at future classes. We'll talk more about that in a moment. But, you know, it sounds like a long shot with Shamar Stewart, although there has been some chatter that he might be visiting Georgia this weekend. Obviously, you know, Christian Miller's still uh, a name of intrigue here, there as well. You know, what can you tell us about what still can be done for the 2022 recruiting class and what, if any of that, might be done here this weekend? Yeah, good morning, everybody. Happy Friday. Uh, Happy National Championship Friday to everyone out there. Um, So, yeah, Brian, you, you, you nailed that right there. Shamar Stewart is in town. Uh, well, he's on his way to town from out of Miami. Um, he's only going to go. T- he's only going to take three, or, three or four of his officials. He's not going to take all of them. Really, it's a decision between Miami, where he was last week, Texas A&M, where he's been many, many times, and then Georgia. Georgia is kind of seen, I would guess, as maybe a quasi silver bronze medalist right now, depending on what will happen, what can happen over the weekend. He really likes Athens. He's been to Georgia a couple times. Uh, the other name to really bird dog and watch a lot is Christian Miller. Christian Miller was at Oregon uh, last week where he has a kinship, of course, with Dan Lanning. Uh, this week he's at FAMU, the HBCU, Florida A&M. Uh, going to check out an HBCU. I really appreciate and, uh, that Christian Miller is going to do that, that he wanted to choose those as one of his few official visits because he's not going to take all of them. Uh, and, and then he's going to take a, a, a visit to Miami on the final weekend. Uh, of the signing class period, the official visit window, the traditional official visit window on the 29th, to go check out Miami and the and the U. That's a relationship there with Mario Cristobal uh, that dates back a lot of times. He's been recruiting Christian from Oregon and then now now from Miami as well. Uh, for me, though, I think Christian is really just simply going to come down to a Georgia or Ohio State decision. Maybe Ohio, maybe the Oregon Ducks have put their beak in there just a little bit. Uh, into the situation, but I remember him telling me earlier this month that um, he had two he had two letters of intent or financial aid forms to sign during the early period. Uh, Ohio State sent him one, and Georgia sent him one, and he he didn't sign either of them, but he he saw them every day, and he made sure that he looked at those almost every day that he was at home because that decision was really weighing on his mind, and 
I really think the things with Georgia, the hometown, Travion Scott, the chance to play with one of his probably five best friends in the world, Michael Williams, who just got some amazing news this week as well. Um, I, I think it's really going to come down to a lot of things there, but I know this, uh, the dream schools that Christian Miller had when he was ninth, in the ninth grade, those two schools are still the, still the schools of his dreams. And I know he had some impactful visits to Georgia this summer and this fall, uh, especially when he had one visit for a home game that really, really moved him. Can I give you a crackpot theory about something just for a second? I think Crack that, that pot. I think that how you recruit a player you know you're not going to get is very telling. And I don't just mean because, hey, in the world of the transfer portal, you never know. That's not what I mean. It certainly seems like, as you said, that Georgia's not destined to get Shamar Stewart. And yet the fact that Georgia might still go all out, host him on a visit, and kind of go through the motions here just sort of speaks to kind of a no-plays-off type mentality. And I think that's kind of telling that – that Georgia as a program has enough energy to expend some of that on a guy that it knows it probably won't get. But, you know, listen, just, you know, Georgia just never stops trying no matter what. To me, that says something pretty good about the program, even if the ultimate result is kind of a a futile effort here. It just sort of speaks to a no-plays-off mentality that I do think benefits UGA in other areas. Well, I mean, I think Georgia obviously has the momentum. And if you're, if you want to crack that pot and say that Georgia's recruiting to finish up second place, because that would be the most desired destination if portal thoughts happen. Well, I think there's validity to that. I think, uh, one thing Shamar Stewart knows is he wants to be a part of a big championship defense like Georgia. He wants the, the defense he plays on in college to look a lot like the one he saw this year at Georgia over and over. And I know that, uh, he's going to look at Georgia this year and see three or four defensive linemen drafted in the first two rounds, and that's exactly everything he's looking for. It's not too far away from home in South Florida. And, uh, you know, Shamar, he, he hits those uh, benchmarks about the type of guy that, from an analyst and a scouting perspective, you would compare uh, directly to uh, uh, a guy like Trayvon Walker. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. So um, a lot of folks are kind of left to wonder, as we look at the rest of the 2022 cycle, about – you know, UGA commits that didn't sign the first time around, especially in light of a conversation that's been ongoing amongst some of the more inquisitive UGA fans of, hey, if you kind of add up all the players that we're left to assume is on scholarship, you're talking about 90-something guys or something like that that Georgia would seem to need to do a decent amount of work to get to the 85 uh, you know, threshold here. So when you start thinking about, you know, like I would say the two more prominent names, at least in terms of this conversation, a guy like a Jordan James, the running back, a wide receiver like like Dylan Bell, you know, are are these guys still going to be in this class? I know Bell has kind of reaffirmed that this week via social media, but take me through the commits that didn't sign and the likelihood that they still are in this class come February. Yeah, that's something to think about there. So Kirby went and saw uh, Dylan Bell this week out in Texas when it looked like he was in the Airwolf chopper being driven along by Jan Michael Vincent. Uh, if you're a child of the 80s like I am or the late 80s like Brandon is, uh, you'll realize that you'll realize the pun behind that reference. But, um, and that, that was kind of one of those things where I, I don't want to say that uh, Kirby came to Texas and put hands on him and verified his status, but if someone wanted to think uh, theatrically that way, then I, I think that would be a pretty, pretty proper spot to be in. He tweeted out that he's going to see everybody on February the 2nd, I believe, and go dogs. And that was kind of affirmation. And, Brandon, really what it is is Georgia's trying to find a way with the scholarship derby 
with gas coming in, gas coming out. They're not sure who was going to uh, portal out. They're not sure who was going to come in. So I think that's a way of just making sure that scholarship count counts at 85. And folks, it can go over 85 as long as the young men are not on campus and they're enrolled in school receiving aid from the, from the, from the university and the athletic department. That's the way that normally works. Uh, Darius Smith, fantastic player, loves Georgia, uh, loves Georgia probably with a fire of a thousand suns. And he's a next generation type player where I see him as a guy that's kind of in that Leonard Floyd mode that's going to have check all the boxes. He plays receiver for his high school team, but he's going to be an edge defender. Certainly Georgia needs more and more of those. Uh, he's a guy that, you know, basically if you cut him, uh, he would bleed Georgia red and black. I think that one's not going anywhere. Now, Jordan James had some intrigue. I think that's a matter of what we talked about on cover four where uh, Florida State's coming, Auburn's coming, Oklahoma's coming, the Florida Gators are coming. It's been reported that Jordan James is going to give Florida an official visit right before National Signing Day. And I think what that is is Jordan James just trying to make sure and have insurance policy feelings available. Uh, I know he told me in a certain type of way that he still loves Georgia, would love to be a part of the class. Um, he might have been a little standoffish, I guess, in uh, Texas at the All-American Bowl simply because it was a little interesting and curious why he didn't sign with Georgia during the early period. He said it was because, and I'm going to take him at his word for it, uh, that his family was on vacation. They were on a cruise. They were on a trip. So there was no way for him to sign and have that ceremony at his school. Uh, I would kind of simply, the, night, the, the best and most accurate and thoughtful way to say this is I think if he still wants to be at Georgia and Georgia still wants him at Georgia, then I can see him being a Georgia Bulldog. I think there's something to come on that matter about you know whether he locks it down and whether he becomes a Georgia Bulldog eventually. Uh, those are the three. There's also a name out of South Georgia I'd watch a little bit. I'd be interesting to see if EJ Lighty out of Fitzgerald, a really impressive-looking linebacker. Uh, Glenn Schumann came down and went down to see him over the last week. He's a guy that's always been interested in Georgia. Georgia's been interested in him. Obviously, Georgia has lost some numbers at inside linebacker. That might might be a guy that you know. If, especially if he comes into town this weekend, takes his official visit, that goes well. Maybe some fruit, maybe some more traction comes there out of that. But, you know, Brandon, if if someone wanted to simply get a the Notes version of what I think the, the 2022 signing class looks like for Georgia the rest of the way, I think it's making sure uh, things go down the track with their current commitments because there's some really good players there, especially a wide receiver like Dylan Bell, who's got a little bit of a Debo Samuel thing going on right now with, his ability to play in a lot of positions as an athlete on offense. Of course, Georgia is losing a lot of receivers to the portal. Uh, and then also I think the big mega, big slice of chocolate cake story, the big slice of uh, apple pie story, the huge dessert for the class would be what I think is a really fantastic young man and a fantastic football player in Christian Miller. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Let me also say one more thing quickly here about the guys that you know are, are committed but not signed. I think that Darius Smith is the most under – covered under discussed member of this 2022 class for Georgia I find him to be a fascinating prospect I'm actually kind of interested in you know Georgia going with a little bit bigger edge rusher which is not to say anything about it you know unknown Smith or you know but you know a guy that's what six six you know already about 225 you can imagine him being a little heavier than that you know at the college level I just think there's something about him I think that has the potential of being a very interesting prospect for a place like UGA. And, you know, it's, I'm happy to hear you say that you think he is definitely still signing with, with, with Georgia because I, I think he's a pretty intriguing prospect all the way around. 
<clears throat> yeah, Brandon, we had him on Before the Hedges, and I think it was really cool. Uh, his parents, great salt-of-the-earth people, they, they, they've they been watching Hedges for a long time. And I love how this happened organically, where they're like, hey, we see all these guys on Hedges, we love it. Uh, and I think there was something casually said, like, hey, we, we'd like to see, you know, why don't you talk about Darius more? Darius more. And I was like, well, I love Darius. Okay, we'd love to have him on the show. And somehow mom and dad from watching Before the Hedges every Wednesday night on our Dog Nation platforms and social media streams, that's kind of was kind of the best way. That was kind of the match made, how we were able to get him from Appling County in South Georgia onto our show. And it was really funny, Brandon. He had two amazing stories. One of those was that he dyed his hair red. And I was like, Why, why'd you do that? Is that the style? Is that for a pretty girl down there in Baxley? And he's like, no, man, I'm going to be wearing the Georgia helmet. So if my helmet's going to be red, like maybe it. my hair underneath it should be red. So um, this might be the first confirmed dognation.com recruiting story ever where we have a young man dyeing their hair red so it would match the Georgia red of their helmet. Um, the other the other thing that I thought was pretty stinking cool was when uh, recruiters were, were talking to him, and he, he articulated what that's like when they were still trying to kick the tires on him. And he said, I'm just going to let you know, and he did this in the middle of, this, of the pitch. He's like, Dad, I'm a huge Georgia fan. Like, I love Georgia. I grew up a Georgia fan. So when I made a commitment to the school, I was like one of their biggest fans committing to Georgia. So my mom loves Georgia. My family loves Georgia. Everyone in my family loves Georgia. I'm going to play for what I think is basically the greatest school in the world. So if you think you can flip a true fan away from going to play for this football program, then have at it, Haas. That's yeah. kind of kind of what it was like. So, I mean, it would almost be like, you know, the, the, the offspring of Brandon Adams trying to get flipped away from a Georgia commitment. The most interesting thing, I believe, that probably happened for Georgia recruiting this week was the evidence of the full-court press, and I guess I mean that, you know, pun intentionally here, of – yeah, there you see the video. You see Matt Luke. You see uh, 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 Todd Munkin. You see Kirby Smart, Buster Faulkner, all on hand for a for an Arch Manning basketball game. And you know, Jeff, if you ever wanted any evidence that Georgia really is going after Arch in a very heavy way, this is certainly an example of that. Right? That's a lot of folks to go watch <laughs> someone who's not exactly Michael Jordan on the basketball court uh, play basketball, is it not? Yeah, but he can throw those long cross-court lobs, Brandon. That he can is throw true. those long passes to lead the break. And, uh, I mean, it is, it is what it is. Folks wonder if, you know, is this a real thing? Is this just a show of force? I mean, I, I mean, it's no secret. The stories are out there. I think Georgia has been in a terrific spot with Arch Manning for a long time, going back to this summer, going back to this fall. Uh, the Matt Luke connection there. For those that feel like Kirby plays 4D underwater chess on their recruiting trail, the fact that he could add in a quality former SEC head coach like Matt Luke to coach his offensive line that was good enough to retain guys like Broderick Jones, Cedric Von Prahn, Tate Ratledge, guys like that, and basically a hiccups amount of time, and then uh, go get a Marius Mims, guys like that in the next class, Dylan Fairchild, that's all great. But, hey, three years down the line, uh, he's probably the one of the coaches, one of the three or four coaches in college football that – the Manning family really knows and trusts going back to the time when he was the head coach at Ole Miss. And I think that's a long game perhaps with, with an advantage with Matt Luke that I think folks don't really realize the pro background there of Todd Munkin and the way Georgia goes about its business with a plan and wins championships. I know everybody likes to say Georgia's probably in the top two and they, at some points they may have been number one. At some points they may have been number two. I still think that's where things stand there with, uh, 
with, with Arch Manning and the Georgia Bulldogs. And for those that wonder about quarterback recruiting and they start hemming and hawing like Jerry Clower about what's going on with the quarterback position and portal and numbers and everything Wait, else. Wait, did you just reference uh, Jerry Clower? Boy, that's quite a, uh, that's quite a reference, Jeff. That's, that, that's, 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 yeah, that's, I, that is taking it back a minute now. Hey, Brandon, I, I, on my end-of-the-year employee review, I noticed that I didn't have enough quotas and, and enough quips and puns for all generations and all members of your viewership, Brandon. Sure. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to be like one of those radio stations we listened to growing up. Yeah, I'm, think, I'm giving the hints of the 80s, 90s, and the 2000s. I think, I think, I think Charlie Trippy probably appreciated that reference. <laughs> That's a good one. Um, but you know, for everybody that wonders, you know, if Georgia is in the quarterback business, when you have the Manning family, the royal family of college football and football quarterbacking itself, still looking at Georgia, giving Georgia a hard look, then, then I think that's important. To know, I think the thing with Arch Manning, you'll see here is you know, like a lot of recruits, Brandon. There's been so many things changing, whether it's Lincoln Riley, whether it's coordinators leaving Ole Miss to go to Oklahoma, whether there's new coaches at Florida with Louisiana ties, new coaches at Miami, new coaches kind of all across the board. It's kind of kind of been a little bit of a reset button where maybe he had a core group of schools that he really liked, and now he's got to open it back up because. Maybe maybe the, the chess pieces on the board have kind of mixed up a little bit. So tell me this. Like, is Georgia keeping the home fires burning with anybody else? Like, uh, I guess that's also a dated reference, too. But, uh, like, like Dylan Lonegren, <laughs> I, I saw where uh, Nick Saban was at Brookwood this week. I mean, is Georgia putting any fires or any, you know, irons in any other fires? I know there's the Brayola kid for the 2024 class, whatever else. But, like, how much time is Georgia giving to any other 2023 quarterback right now? Well, you know, Dylan was at the gala, Brandon. He was at the celebration. Mm-hmm. He tried on the pictures with the jerseys. He hangs out really, really tightly with Caleb Downs and with Pierce Sperling the third and Justice Haynes. Those guys all know each other, Brandon. They were in the line, uh, all in the same line together, uh, trying on jerseys, trying on gear, taking pictures, but also in the stadium. I believe it was on right around the 40 yard line, all in a line and, you know, cutting up like a lot of teenage boys would do when they're having a good time and enjoying themselves and feeling like they're on top of the world. There's Dylan, Dylan Lonergan. There's a Marcel Reed uh, out in Tennessee. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of, I wouldn't say home fires burning, but there's a lot of irons in the fire, Brandon, at quarterback where I, I'm going to tell you this. I don't, I don't see Georgia taking a commitment from any 2023 quarterback until Arch Manning has kind of figured out what he wants to do. I, I would believe that. Uh, the Manning name and the Manning brand there, much like a lot of schools around the country. Uh, they're they're going to be waiting to see what Arch Manning does before they make a move. And that's happened before. Uh, happened with the case of Gunnar Stockton. It happened with the case of a guy like Brock Vandergriff as well, where, where Georgia was going to wait on them to make their move because they thought that was their guy and they thought they had more than a puncher's chance to do so. Um, and I know folks will go about, you know, Arch Manning and how – now, listen, folks, I'm just going to tell you. I'm going to skip ahead to Chapter 15 on here. There's no way the Georgia quarterback room over the last five years, with all the dips and flows and bobs and weaves of that room, there's no way that Arch Manning coming to Georgia is going to make things any more complicated than it has already been with JT and Stetson and Carson and uh, Gunner and Brock. And then you, before that you had Jacob and Jake, and before after that you had – uh, Justin Fields, and you had Jake Fromm. I mean, listen, it, it is a page-turner. It always will be a page-clicker. Uh, and I, if the Manning name comes to Athens to play college football, it would just kind of follow suit. I, I kind of kidded you and our, our panel last night on Cover 4. To me, it certainly seems like Georgia plays its best football. Its quarterbacks play its best football when there's a little bit of anarchy among the fan base 
about who should be QB1. All right, so on the road, this is by AAA with Jeff Sintel, and of course AAA, as said before, we certainly trust them when we're traveling around and doing so many things as we have been doing over the course of the last couple of months. They even saved me money on hotels, things like that. I love my AAA membership, but I also love telling you about AAA as an option for your auto insurance there too, because we are at a time in which everything is just more expensive. I've, you know, my wife's constantly complaining about how, you know, just things are just more expensive than they used to be. She knows I don't because she basically buys everything for our house. The point here is, is that as we're all figuring out how to pay for things these days, doing whatever we can to put more money back in our pocket is really, really important. That's where AAA steps in on all of this. I want you to consider them for your auto insurance because when you switch and save with AAA, you have the potential of putting hundreds of additional dollars back into your pocket, and you really owe it to yourself to do everything you can to give yourself the most money possible, making the best decision, but your auto insurance is a part of that. So check out this website. It's AAA.com slash auto insurance. That's AAA.com slash auto insurance. Also, let me give you a phone number to dial. 866-380-1637. 866-380-1637. Switch and save auto insurance with AAA today. So, Jeff, you know, I, I wouldn't even be able to. I don't have the manpower to show you all the places that Kirby Smart and George Assistant showed up this week all over, certainly South Georgia from like one end of the state in Darty County all the way to the southeast corner over in, you know, Valdosta and uh, Lowndes and, and Cockwit and everywhere else. And then across the country there too, Texas, Arizona, it seems like they've just been a little bit of everywhere. What do you kind of take from the barnstorming tour they've been on? Is there any through line for all of that that, that you want to leave us with here for a moment? Uh, you know, it's funny. First of all, the helicopter collection is priceless. And, um, and, and let me see. What's the term a lot of recruits said this week about being uh, in Athens for the gala on a recruiting visit? They said it was kind of the ultimate flex for Georgia to host recruits right in the middle of their championship celebration at the 50-yard line. Well, Kirby hadn't stopped flexing, man. He's kind of like Lex Luger. He's kind of like... Um, He's kind of like Arnold Schwarzenegger during those 1980s Mr. Olympia contests. But, like, it's funny. Kirby's landing these places, Brandon, and I know you've noticed it, and I know it's gotten a few cackles out of you. Kirby's landing these helicopters that look like the thing uh, 45 or 41 or one of our POTUSes would, would, would land in on football fields. And then you've got mere mortal coaches, including the Florida staff, just showing up in a car at the front of the school. I mean, it is mesmerizing how these flexes are happening. And I'm going to say, like, the, the helicopter budget, there was there was there must have been an, a Josh Brooks emergency approval for expenditures in the helicopter budget this week because I think he's got a collection of five stars, kind of like this 2022 class. That's a story we wrote this week that we wanted to bring to everybody's attention when they were clutching pearls about gas, players are leaving Georgia. Folks, the infusion of Georgia talent, I think, is as good as it's ever been. And we wrote about that this week on DogNation.com. But really, you saw him hit all the he, – he, he played all the hits, man. He went down to see Richard Young. He went down to see Malik Bryant. He went down to Chris County and Cordell. I think he took two trips to Chris County and Cordell because yep. you see pictures popping up all the time. You see him in Dougherty. You know, for, for me, with the way I structure the recruiting beat for DogNation.com is, man, if I wrote about every, every place Kirby went and who he was going to see, then I wouldn't have a – a chance to tell some really good stories because you almost need a traffic cop about that. You can almost, and it's really funny. It doesn't take a rocket scientist for those folks that wonder like, you know, Hey, the, the, the staff at Georgia really pay attention to stars. Well, all I'm going to say is it's extremely coincidental that 
almost every place that chopper lands is a place that you can correctly go to a 2023 or a 2024 board, and you can see uh, a highly rated All-American type kid or a four-star or a five-star kid. And this is really important because remember the last year about how some SEC East coaches were kind of, you know, you know, we're kind of, I guess, elitist, and they're kind of like, I'm not going to dirty my hands with recruiting. Well, this is the national championship program, the program that has had the average recruiting class of number 2.8 since in the country since Kirby has been there, and he is maximizing every opportunity for folks to tweet out. The national champions came to visit. Georgia's national championship coaches have came to visit. If anything, Brandon, for a guy that didn't sleep and probably the best part of his employee review every year, up to this point might have been the way he goes gets after it on the recruiting trail. For me, observing, listening, collecting all this data, it seems like Kirby has hit turbo boost on his recruiting pitch because he's maximizing everything he can with this national championship and the generational uh, 41-year momentum that's built up for Georgia football right now. All right, it's very late, and I apologize, but I do want to kind of get in the weeds here on one thing real quick. As you were talking, our producer Michael Carvel was showing some of the video we have of Buster Faulkner. Faulkner's obviously been on the road here a little bit lately. Georgia's down a coach, or a couple of coaches, so you have a chance to take somebody and do that. You know, I think that Buster Faulkner has a very bright future ahead of him as a coach. I guess this is one of those things where honesty does compel me to admit that being deputized into on-the-road duty has not always been a predictor of future employment at Georgia. Didn't Nick Williams get that tab one time? He didn't become an on-field coach at Georgia. Didn't Bakari Rambo at one point in time get that? And, you know, kind of the same thing, you know, there too, that that getting a chance to be the pinch hitter when Georgia's down an assistant coach has not always been a precursor to employment. That is fair to point out, is it not? Well, I think there's instances on both sides because I, uh, I think Todd Hartley was that way initially on Kirby Smart's first staff uh, where he eventually was on was – on, was on the road went before he left uh, left Georgia the first time, and he eventually went to Miami, and then he came back to Georgia. Um, you know, he's a guy, Brandon. I'll, I'll, folks need to understand that he was once before he got to Georgia. He had like 15 years of experience as a head coach, not a head coach, but an an assistant in college football. I mean, he left Georgia. Uh, I mean, he left Southern Miss as the offensive That's coordinator. Right. That's right. He would been the offensive coordinator to come be an analyst. I think Kirby even had a even had a comment once how a former offensive coordinator came to Georgia to be an analyst. Well, first of all, Buster's got Georgia ties. He played at Parkview High School. You know, his family, his his I guess the people he loves the most in the world. They all grew up in Georgia, and yet Buster's a guy that's kind of been an analyst, kind of been that guy you see at games that's the one out on the field early talking to the major recruits. Is kind of one of those their their first early charges on game day, kind of talking to all the recruits on the field. But, you know, this is a guy that's, you know, he, to me it's always seemed like he came to Georgia waiting on things to happen, waiting on things to go. I mean, he had a 14-year career, Brent. That's the thing I keep coming back to, 15 years before he before he showed up at Georgia. He'd been an offensive coordinator at Southern Miss. I mean, that's a resume that's pretty stout, Brandon, uh, considering the possible people that could be analysts for the University of Georgia. He's got an affinity for quarterbacks. He's known Munkin. He's been at Arkansas State and other places like that. And you know, for folks that are going to wonder how the deck chairs might get rearranged, is it Heinz Ward? I know his fans are pulling for Heinz Ward, or they're pulling for a guy like Terrence Edwards mm-hmm. to be that uh, come out of come out of nowhere type uh, wide receivers coach. But you know, a really logical path to do that is for for Georgia to let Munkin 
coach the wide receivers, which is he's had an affinity and he's kind of took a special hand on wide receivers the last year and a half or so anyway at Georgia. Um, let Munkin have the emphasis on receivers, let Faulkner be the quarterback coach, and then all of a sudden that staff feels like a little bit more continuity is happening. And I think for Georgia fans and Georgia folks, I think it would be a slam dunk win if it becomes Ward or if it becomes Terrence Edwards or if it becomes Buster Faulkner because I don't know if you can get people that are more connected to Georgia, that love Georgia, that have been a part of all the success inside the room the last two seasons that Buster Faulkner has been around. I think there's a lot of good things that can happen in any direction that Kirby Smart wants to go with a wide receiver spot. So let me just be very, very quick here to wrap this up because I I like Buster Faulkner a lot. I thought it was a big addition for Georgia when it brought him on. We didn't even know the capacity he was going to be in when he first arrived here, but I thought it was a big addition at the time, and I think certainly Faulkner's got a future on this Georgia staff, and I'm going to be happy when that eventually occurs. But the scenario you just laid out does give me a little bit of concern, and you can give me a quick answer on this, and we'll save this and table it for another day, that – if you go Faulkner quarterback coach, if you go Munkin adding wide receiver coach to his offensive coordinator title, and let's say Scott Cochran were to then slide back on the field as a 10th coach in the absence of Dan Lanning, you know, Jeff, there's a concern for me on that in the fact that Cochran's still inexperienced as a coach. He doesn't have a lot of recruiting chops that are fully established. Munkin's strength is drawing up plays on a chalkboard. He's not necessarily a, an A-list level recruiter, although he's an inv- invaluable assistant. You know, Faulkner, I think, has a lot of great relationships with Arch Manning in particular here, so you got no problem there, maybe. But you start to get a little concerned that losing Lanning, losing Cortez Hankton, who are a number of receivers have cited as the reason why they were at Georgia, that if the replacement is some sort of combination the way you described, that maybe you're not quite as strong of a recruiting staff as you were before. It's just a concern that I have. Uh, so let me answer in kind with factual statements. Uh, Cortez Hankton did not get a raise the last two seasons at Georgia. He got a big one from uh, uh, Notre Dame when he joined Brian Kelly's staff. And then also, I look, Brandon, and you know the one glaring hole to me in what a in a, in a 2020 recruiting class that seems like the robust, most robust and complete all around I've seen in the seven or eight years I've been covering Georgia recruiting now uh, is the fact that they didn't land a premier wide receiver. Uh, so my response back to you would kind of be, well, it's not like the wide receiver recruiting was glorious the last couple of seasons anyway for Georgia. Sure Maybe there are some diamonds in, diamonds in the rough found with a, a guy like A.D. Mitchell and also a guy like, uh, obviously, Jackson Meeks. And then you keep going with Ladd McConkie, and it seems like uh, Georgia's going to have a lot of success with the, 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 the four-star, lower four-star, mid-four-star, three-star guys that they signed in the 2022 class. Uh, I think Georgia's made some hay there with a lot of playmakers that really fit uh, personalities, playmakers, uh, performance types that really fit what Georgia's put on the field the last two years under Munkin. So my, my, my only pushback there would be that, I mean, brother, the recruiting has not been gangbusters as well. I mean, I don't know how you view it, but I'm pretty sure that staff in Athens doesn't like hearing about how they finished a close second or third to all these All-American and five-star receivers that – uh, look like they're walking sticks of dynamite when they get out there. Uh, when they get out there and flank out wide, that they're a big play and an explosive waiting to happen. Um, you know, I'd like to see maybe perhaps. I don't know the best path for Terrence, but I think Terrence is going to have a great future uh, in the higher rungs of, co- of coaching, not just at the high school level. Um, perhaps there's a way where Terrence Edwards could. You know, maybe if you elevate Faulkner from that spot, maybe you can move Edwards into Faulkner's spot. I think that would make a lot of Georgia fans really happy if that scenario came yeah. to be as well. 
Now, if, um, I, don't, now if I can't have them on Dog Nation Daily every Thursday, I, selfishly, I'm going to be against that. But I do think uh, that's a pretty no, good no, idea. Hold on. Brandon, you're going you're gonna to give up your Dog Nation Daily on Thursdays if you can get more five stars in the lineup on Saturdays. That I is think, true. I think you'll take that trade. I, I, I will take that one for the collective team that is Dog Nation, if that be the uh, case. Jeff, i got to leave it there. Thanks for being here today. On the road, assisted by AAA. Have a great weekend. We will look forward to talking to you soon. All right, hold on, Brandon. You're gonna get mad at me, but I got one thing I got to get in the weeds in the weeds about. By all um, means, it's gonna be an it's gonna be an upcoming story on Dog Nation, but I just want to put this, folks. And I don't know. We're, this is the South. We're all good people here, but like uh, Georgia's All American defensive tackle, Big Bear Alexander, underwent a procedure today. Okay. And if you've listened to me closely over the last couple of weeks, you know one of the things that really impressed me about Bear was I don't know if I've seen a tougher. Uh, harder uh, prospect that has came into Georgia. He had had issues with his sh- shoulder during his senior season. He'd been wearing a brace. I saw it kind of come in and out, and I thought I thought he was down for the count a couple of times at the Under Armour All-American game week, and the young man just kept fighting through it. It was a matter of pain tolerance, and he showed uh, a, a hero's resolve about how he was able to keep, keep getting up off the mat, keep going in there and playing in an All-American game culture. Let's face it, Brandon, where a lot of folks are looking for the Gatorade with the little paper umbrellas on it so they can enjoy themselves during an All-American week. And, you know, Barry Alexander came to the All-American game to prove to himself that he was as good as anybody out there and that he was going to play and finish that week on the field. That's what he did. Um, he kind of hinted to me that eventually surgery was going to happen. And if you can see on Bear's social media uh, today on his Instagram account. He's going through a procedure okay. today okay. Uh, to kind of clean up that shoulder. And it really was an issue with his labrum. He's going to get that fixed. He had always told me that the number one thing that he wanted to have happen was for him to be healthy and ready to go for fall camp to get ready for Oregon in that season opener. And quickly, since he's in Athens, been in Athens for about a week, that's what Big Bear has been able to do. Now, I've got a story that will come up with a lot more thoughts and comments on Bear, but I know a lot of people – the only time they maybe catch our content maybe will be on your program or maybe if I can put a bug in everybody's ear to look for that and kind of get the reason why this is just another special young man on the defensive line that, that really is not going to back down from anything hard or tough in his life uh, to get to where he wants to go. And I think you know everybody should think about Big Bear Alexander today and his shoulder surgery. I think that's really uh, good, Jeff. Thanks for letting us know that. Obviously, uh, we love Big Bear around here, so a lot of prayers going out to him as he uh, undergoes this procedure. Thanks for making us aware of that, and we'll look forward to reading a much more from you at dognation.com and talk to you very soon again as well. See you, buddy. Everybody have a great weekend. You as well, sir. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. By the way, Jeff mentioned Cortez Hankton going to LSU. Did y'all see how much money he's making? Listen, I don't begrudge anybody. Uh, Nine hundred thousand dollars, I think the report is. I think he was making what about five hundred or so at Georgia, something like that. Uh, getting a big raise to go back home to LSU, man. That's nine hundred grand. That's real money. That's that's almost like Jeff Sintel money. Uh, that's big time stuff right there. So good for Cortez cashing in in a big way to go back home to uh, Louisiana for all of that. We got a bunch of SEC through type stories to give you here so let's uh try to pick up the pace because we are also running crazy late uh cruiser on the sec courtesy of royal caribbean in 2022 cannot wait to be fun in the sun on a royal caribbean cruise ship and obviously when i talk to folks about royal caribbean the fact that we got so many big things planned coming up with them 
One of the things I hear so frequently is, oh, BA, the thing I want to do is go to a perfect day Coke OK. And I would say that's probably the thing that I'm the most excited about in the upcoming year there as well. It's the private island that's in the Bahamas, and it's exclusive for those on a Royal Caribbean cruise ship. It's private island. You've always kind of wanted to be on a private island. This is kind of that. But it's like unlike anything you've ever could have imagined before. There's a thrill side. There's a chill side. You get the tallest water slide in North America, a helium balloon that takes you several hundred feet up in the air. And, you know, the the chill side, you got, you know, uh, largest like wave pool. I mean, you, uh, you know, all, all kinds of unbelievable stuff going on there. There's the private cabanas, which give you a chance to kind of relax. That's on the chill side where you're just kind of hanging out and just kind of enjoying yourself. There is just so many fun things about a Royal Caribbean cruise. And in 2022, I would invite you to check out our friends at the Cruise and Vacation Authority. Look at all the you know various ports in which the Royal Caribbean ships are leaving from. One of the things that I probably enjoy is leaving out of Port Canaveral because when I've been on a Royal Caribbean cruise before, you know that's just a, a very easy drive from where I'm sitting here in the Atlanta area, Port Canaveral, you know, kind of in that sort of Cocoa Beach, Space Coast type area. Uh, just very easy to get to. You just you know, drive down the road. You're basically there. You're on board and you're having a great time. And Obviously, there are all kinds of tips and tricks to make a Royal Caribbean cruise vacation as fun as it can possibly be. So that's one of the reasons why we invite you to check out our friends at the Cruise and Vacation Authority. You can find them online, tcava.com. That's the website, tcava.com. You can also give them a call, 770-952-8300, 770-952-8300, and check it all out. Just a lot of fun things going on here with Royal Caribbean in 2022. With that said, let's cruise around the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean. So the Dennis Dodd had a very interesting piece yesterday at CBSSports.com, and this was extensive. Getting into what Dodd predicts on the basis of folks he's talked to are even more massive changes coming to college athletics in the years to come. That essentially the NCAA, as we've come to understand, it's just about to dissolve. That it just simply can't hold the weight of everything that's resting upon its shoulders right now. That there's a growing sense of dissatisfaction and obviously we see transfer portal and name image likeness be the first example of that but Dodd predicts there's even more of that coming in terms of you know a future agreement with actually the TV rights holders where some of the money that goes to the schools now going to go to these players in the future football basketball and, and things like that and look obviously this is a very complicated topic and there's a lot of stuff it's almost like I can't do justice to everything that Dodd wrote in the piece because there's just so much to it. But there was one quote in particular that stood out to me from Pat Narduzzi, the the pit coach, where he talked about how, you know, as we move into a direction where athletes are about to become employees as opposed to what they are now, student slash athletes, you know, Narduzzi painted an unflattering picture of a future in which, well, if you're an employee, you can be fired the same way that an NFL player kind of gets cut right now. I mean, think about the very harsh reality of you're here today, gone tomorrow. What was it? Was it Jerry? No, it was Sam Weiss. Sam Weiss, Jerry Glanville, whoever was famous for saying the NFL stands for not for long, that kind of harsh reality, that kind of tough treatment that pro football players have gotten over the years. Narduzzi predicts that's what's going to be coming down the line for college athletics there as well. Now, there are going to be some cynical-minded folks who say that you know, these are just coaches that are painting a, you know, a scary picture because they don't want change to occur. Maybe that is the case. The thing that concerns me, though, a little bit is, and I always am a little bit concerned that I come across old-fashioned when I say something like this because, honestly, I do like the way the college sports has been, and I am very hesitant to embrace too much change here because I just think that college athletics has not only worked really well as an entertainment medium for someone like me, and obviously, you know, the kind of thing I make my living in right now, 
But I also think having met so many of the high school coaches that serve high school players, having met the high school players themselves, the guys that get a chance to go on and play college athletics, you know, this this institution has served them really well there too. And I think when you meet a, a college, future college athlete, when you meet a high school player that wants to play in college, like the one thing that you never really hear them talk about is, hey, man, we got to get together and unionize. Or, you know, we've got to get together and, and you know, come up with a better revenue model. You know, for the most part, the thing that the average athlete that hopes to play in college, at least the ones that I've talked to are concerned about, not saying all, but I would say a larger share than sometimes has is given attention to is what they want are scholarship opportunities. They want to play division one sports and they don't look at a situation where, you know, there's some sort of tyranny associated with uh, division one football. And there's some sort of like, you know, they, they don't feel oppressed. They feel obsessed with the idea of getting into the system and they're fearful that there are just fewer opportunities. And that's what Narduzzi said in this piece at cbsports.com, And I think that's already proving to be true that, the large number of folks who go into the transfer portal, let's just keep it to football for a moment, they go into the portal and they have nowhere to go. Now, now Jermaine Burton's going to have plenty of opportunities and a JT Daniels going to have plenty of opportunities. But the average player in the portal from the FBS level goes in the portal and realizes he just got nowhere to transfer to. That the portal was provided as a way of serving players, but I would love to have somebody kind of get involved in this and say, is this actually serving players well? I'd love to have somebody do a count of, how many fewer players at the high school level are signing Division I scholarships now because of the way in which if you're a Group of Five team, if you're an FCS team, you've now used the portal as the number one mechanism for how you put your roster together. Those are spots that used to go to high school players. They go to college players now, transferring from one place to the other. And listen, if you're running a Group of Five team or an FCS program, then you know your obligation is to build the best roster you can. But in terms of what serves the future of college football better, I think a lot of the things that you know certain folks have kind of gotten fixated on, like name, image, likeness, and transfer portal, I actually don't know that it's serving the average player as well as some people seem to assume that it does. And so much of the coverage about what's next for college football and what's good for players, I don't think has the actual wishes of players in mind very well. I thought this was a good piece from Dennis Dodd. I thought it laid out the landscape of what really truly might be on the way. But man, when all this happens, I hope somebody does a follow-up on how are players actually being treated in all of this? And I'm not quite so sure it's going to be a change for the better, but we shall see how it goes. Now, let me move on to this. I'm going to try to do this really quickly. There's all kinds of coaching movement, I think potentially afoot here at Auburn, there's been a rumor out there the last couple of days that Derek Mason might be on his way to taking the defensive coordinator job at Oklahoma State. Uh, that'd be a big get for the Cowboys. Mason, I think, proved himself to be a pretty good – We first of all, we knew Mason was a good defensive coordinator. He was that at Stanford before becoming head coach at Vanderbilt. I believe he returned to being that for Auburn here this year. No real word on why he's leaving Auburn to go to Oklahoma State. That's not the typical move that someone makes, but apparently that might be what he's doing. I don't have confirmation for you of that being the case, but our producer, Michael Carvel, has given me a couple of things here that Matt Zenitz, who's obviously a good reporter now of On3, also used to be connected to the state of Alabama at AL.com, is reporting that Jeff Schmetting, who has been linebacker's coach at Auburn, is on his way to being defensive coordinator. Now, that means that Jason Caldwell, who covers Auburn, is uh, also adding that there's another coaching hire on the, on the way here 
Jimmy Brumbaugh. Do you remember him? Uh, Brumbaugh was the coach that Jeremy Pruitt fired during the season a couple years ago at Tennessee, but he is now on his way to the Auburn Tigers as defensive line coach there as well. That's according to Jason Caldwell, who would know. So you got Brumbaugh coming in as defensive line coach. You've got Schmetting as a replacement for Derek Mason, who we assume is going to Oklahoma State, although I guess no one's reported that officially. And then there's also reports out there that Christian Robinson, who you know is a former Georgia player, was linebacker's coach at Florida, is now maybe on his way to taking that same job at Auburn, which obviously becomes available because Schmetting is moving up in the defensive coordinator role. Do you have all of that? Hopefully you're following that, no questions. Here's the thing I'll say. You got to be really careful. Do you think Mike Bobo is glad that he took a job with uh, <laughs> with uh, Brian Harson, who is not particularly well ingrained, uh, deeply entrenched there at Auburn right now? In fact, I think if Harson's not careful, this is his last year. So if you're a C-Rob or a, or, or a Brumbaugh or whomever else, you know, be careful hitching your wagon to the Brian Harson train because I'm not quite so sure that thing ain't leaving the station from uh, the loveliest village on the plains here pretty soon. And maybe that has something to do with one, one of the fact that Derek Mason is bolting. But clearly, if you're a guy like Harson who does not have deep ties to the SEC, bringing in guys who do, allowing them to lend their credibility to you is the kind of thing that matters, and that may be what's going on here. So a lot of coaching changes to follow there at Auburn, and we'll continue to pay attention to that and see if eventually the Mason thing becomes official to Oklahoma State. Seems like it's heading in that direction, but for now, we'll make that cruise around the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean. Also, check out my friends at Space Dogs. You've heard me talk about crypto before, and when you hear me talk about it, you're left to conclude, I'm not quite so sure BA is a crypto expert. If you believe that, you are right. I know some about it. There are other people who know more. And if you want to be one of those people that knows a lot more about crypto, or if you're just kind of ready to get involved in the space, well, that's where our friends, no pun intended, Space Dogs kind of come in here. These are UGA grads, dog fans, who have started their own cryptocurrency, and They've got a couple of products I want you to make sure that you're really aware of because if for no other reason, it's going to help you take some of the mystery out of crypto as you learn more about it and as you take a step to get involved in that world. A couple of the products you need to be aware of. How about the new Dogs Token? There's the Dogs Wallet. There's the Space Card. All of these things ultimately are just a better, safer, more secure way to make transactions online. Some of the things you're already doing anyway and a chance to get involved in the world of crypto with some folks who love the dogs and are obviously enjoying the national championship that UGA just won. So please check out uh, this website. It's dogs.io. Dogs, of course, spelled the way it's supposed to be. D-A-W-G-S. Dogs.io. Find out about Space Dogs here today. And with that, we'll get ready to wrap up the program. So a couple of golden shoes for you here today. Uh, let me begin with this. Uh, this is one I wanted to show you the other day. Somebody had sent it to me, and I uh, I lost it. And so now I found it back again. I think this is really funny. Let me show you this on the screen for a minute. You know the big sign in the Alabama locker room that says, no excuses? Scott Barman sends this in saying, I can't take credit for this because I found it on Facebook, but something you'll enjoy. Somebody has marked out the no and no excuses and put some excuses, which I think is really funny if you've listened to how Alabama fans have spoken to the national championship game. Good stuff for Scott will make him a golden shoe winner for today also someone else here alabama themed mike q sends this in is georgia the hunter or the hunted as you see mark agan on twitter sharing the kirby smart taxidermist he's real quick big elephant head there on the wall i love that great trophy 
By the way, lousy, stinking gators. How about a gator hater updater? It's now been 4,761 days since the gators have won a national championship. Good to remind them of that. And also let them know, gator hater countdown, dogs on their way to Jacksonville. Coming up in just 281 days from right now, dogs on the way to a beat down on those lousy stinging gators. That's our Gator Hater Countdown. We will see you Monday. Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger. Have a great weekend, everybody. And on the podcast, time now for the R.S. Andrews podcast, Cool Down. Always, um, always great to have your, uh, your thoughts, your comments. Appreciate you sharing those. Let me give you a couple of those right now. On video a moment ago, we were talking about some of the frustrations that Georgia fans have with the struggling men's basketball team. Our buddy Lee on Twitter reaches out to say, you need to get down to the segment Coliseum and watch the women's basketball team play. The ladies and Georgia football, he says, are a lot alike. Arguably the two top programs at UGA. Joni Taylor doing a great job there, he says. Big game versus Tennessee on Sunday. And Lee is right. We're fans of Joni Taylor in a big way here. I think it's really remarkable what she's doing with the women's basketball team right now. It's great to see that that team, which you know obviously over the years was so strong under Andy Landers, Great to see the success they are enjoying, and obviously we do wish them well as they take on the Lady Vols on Sunday. No more historic matchup in the SEC than any time you get a chance to take on Tennessee there when it comes to women's basketball. And I think one of the things that's cool about the age which we're currently in from a sports standpoint is the SEC network, you can say some good things about it, maybe some bad things about it, but one thing that it's very, very good at is it just allows you to follow the other sports so much more easily than you used to you know technology now you can just kind of dial up and watch all these games or obviously be there at Stegman Coliseum to to do that I like this time of year because you do start to have a lot of Georgia sports that are taking place and admittedly we're you know 99 whatever percent football on this show that you know admittedly you know we're obviously very football centric around here but that doesn't mean that's not the only UGA athletic team we look to follow obviously the women's basketball team is one we're very very proud of and we do root on coach Joni Taylor's team as they kind of move into the stretch run of their season fantastic six ways in on Twitter to say I believe that Georgia pass defense is going to be even better this coming season and that's going to be the game changer for us so I mean, I kind of touched on this a little bit on yesterday's show is that a lot of folks are like, oh, gosh, what's going to happen to Georgia when the defense, is, defense regresses in 2022? And obviously being as good as Georgia was this past season defensively is not an easy thing to do. But when you look at the overall track record of how good Georgia's been in virtually every under Kirby Smart, the notion of it falling off very far doesn't seem all that likely. And as Fantastic Six says, you know, maybe even taking a uh, big step ahead, uh, he predicts, which is kind of an interesting thought all the way around. Uh, Albert Kopp writes in to say, Brandon, enjoy your shows. One comment, most people watching any sport like excitement. That is why people like offense, baseball, home runs, football, passing plays, unless you have Herschel to tear through uh, lines and breakaway runs, just my observation in my 75 years. You know, basically saying that, going back to the conversation that's been ongoing this week, that there are some people, regardless of results, that would just prefer a different brand of Georgia football, one that he says would be more exciting. And um, I don't discount the way, the fact that some people feel that way. Uh, it kind of reminds me of back in the mid-90s, I was a big NBA fan, big Hawks fan. And I don't follow the NBA like I used to, but back then I was a big fan. So there was a moment in which Lenny Wilkins was coaching that Hawks team where – Atlanta was kind of just below 
like the Chicago Bulls level of best team in the East. You know, Atlanta could have made the case, along with like say an Indiana or somebody like that, to be the to be the next team in the Eastern Conference of the NBA back in that era. But they kind of bumped into a ceiling a few times. Jordan, the Bulls, was that ceiling at least a couple of times. And, you know, Lenny Wilkins was a little bit of a plotting style. You know, it was like Mookie Blaylock pound dribbling the ball up the court. And, you know, Hawks weren't scoring 115 points a game or anything like that. And so Atlanta was winning in the playoffs. You know, getting the playoffs, they were winning games. They were 50-win team. But a lot of Hawks fans just kind of rejected it and said, we're tired of this. We're bored of this. We want something different. And management, either to its credit or to its peril, listened to the fans. And they did change. They you know, moved on from Wilkins, brought in a different coach, got different players. And for the most part, it took Atlanta a long time to ever be that good ever again. And you know that decision for the Hawks kind of coincided a little bit with you know, the you know, decision of uh, – uh, Michael Jordan to step away from the game and went and played, um, you know, baseball, you know, whatever conspiracy theory you want to attach to that. And a lot of times I'm left to wonder, you know, what if Hawks, what if the Hawks were stuck with the Lenny Wilkins thing a little longer and, and tried to be the, the best team in the sort of Jordan law when he stepped away, how things could have been different. Sometimes I wonder about that, but the point I bring up with all of this is I don't fault anybody who says, Hey, the brand of college football I like is, an offense that scores 50 points a game. But if you have an offense that scores 50 points a game, you're not going to have a defense that that gives up 15 points a game. No one does that. Alabama and Ohio State have gotten better offensively, and concurrently they've gotten worse defensively. It's not a coincidence that everything in football is connected, and what you add to one thing, you are taking away from somewhere else. There's just no free lunch in life. So, you know, the one question I would ask people is, and this is not a flippant question, if you say, hey, I want Georgia just to be more interesting offensively, would you be willing to trade worse end-of-season results to get there? Because the fact of the matter is, teams that have better offenses than Georgia, Oklahoma, they're not winning a national championship. Uh, Ohio State, they haven't won one since 2014. Uh, Alabama, over the course of the last four years, has won the same number of national championships that Georgia does. So I think you have every right to want to pursue a uh, more entertaining brand of offense based on your definition of entertainment. But I think you've got to be careful assuming that there's going to be more winning that comes your way because of that, because over the course of the last few years, that actually hasn't correlated as much as maybe you might assume. Trip on our Dog Nation comment section also mentioning some continued issues with the podcast on the, the browser. And honestly, I'm trying to work through that i'm just not smart enough i've got people who are smarter than me that are trying to help me but in the meantime we are adding the show on youtube to the podcast post each and every day now you do have to click into that to to watch it or listen to it but it should function pretty much the same way and it should be as simple as one click so while we try to figure this out hopefully that becomes a little bit of a workaround for you either way Thanks for being here for our podcast, Cool Down Today. And honestly, please continue to share with me your feedback on any issue like that. I am certainly grateful to be able to get it. So thanks for being here on our podcast, Cool Down. Hope all of you have a great weekend. Check out RS Andrews online for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, and electric needs. They show up on time. They do the work that's promised for the price that's promised. That's why story after story, they have been delivering smiles, and they will deliver a smile for you. Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger. We'll see you back here on Monday, everybody.